Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston, FFC Coaching You in the Word. We're going to be back with you today with uh, uh, part four, session four of part four of Heavenly Communication. I think you will enjoy it. We want to thank all of you that are studying along with us. We pray that God is blessing you richly and that uh, the Word of God is becoming very real in your life and hopefully in your ministry. Um, I want to always welcome you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's messaging. So we're going to get right into the, to the message that was spoken uh, on Sunday night, uh, July the 3rd, for our Sunday evening service. Uh, I hope you'll enjoy it, and we will be back with you at the conclusion. Hello, everyone. It's 6 o'clock on Sunday evening and time for our Sunday evening Bible study. I hope everybody's had a great day. I had a real pleasure. I left church today and went over and visited with Buford Kegley and uh, uh, Rhonda, and what a time I had talking with him. What a wonderful man he is. We talked a good bit about his career in country music and in broadcasting. It's a fascinating story. He's a fascinating guy. Remember Buford in your prayers. Um, so uh, tonight we're going to uh, go to session four of part four because I have to get through this so we can understand what it is we are attempting to accomplish in prayer. We want to welcome all of those of you that are coming in. I see Tony. Uh, uh, hope Dan is doing well. I see Sharon. It's great to have you guys. There will be more to join us shortly, but I'm not going to spend any time waiting on them. We want to welcome those of you that will come in to visit us through the podcast uh, mechanism. Uh, Mike Springston, FFC, coaching you in the word. Those of you that will join us through Lift Him Higher Radio. Uh, and so, and of course, all of those of you who come on uh, Facebook and join us through this system as well. We're blessed. We're blessed to have the word of God. We're blessed to be teaching and preaching the word of God. And we want you to enjoy the scripture tonight and glean from it because if you grasp what we're teaching, it's going to take you into places in your prayer life you've never been. Well, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Father, sanctify us as we surrender and yield ourselves to you. Allow Jesus to speak through the Holy Spirit and then let the Holy Spirit direct us as he uses our faculties to convey and relay the message of Jesus Christ coming directly from the throne room of God. We give you praise for it. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord and our God. Amen and amen. Welcome, Tammy. I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, we're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 9. Uh, we read that text for you this morning, and uh, so you uh, 
go back and read that text and if you need to and um, enjoy that text. This morning I made some statements concerning prayer and it's possible, it is possible that maybe you've never considered prayer from that perspective. Of course, the reason why people have missed the concept of prayer is because we've lumped prayer into, for lack of a better term, uh, just prayer. Even though Jesus taught prayer under many different segments, we just say we pray. Well, we look at all of it as coming, operating, and acting out of the same vein and under one method of identification. And of course, when we study the Word of God, we readily see that there are more things to identify with. Tonight I'm going to show you from Paul's teaching how he identified with the names of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead bodily. First of all, you would say, now what do you mean, Pastor? Well, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 has shown us what grace is and how grace is dispensed from the throne room of God to his people. Remember, Paul was called up into the third heaven. Paul received the acknowledgement of grace, for my grace is sufficient from the throne room of heaven. We as flesh can't get there. If we de desire to remain in the flesh, now I want to want to flesh, flesh, if you will, I want to talk about that just a second. If we remain attached to what the accomplishments at the cross are, then we remain attached to the sin and the flesh. We have to move past that. If we remain in the flesh, if we remain accustomed to the flesh, if we remain, we remain operating in the flesh, we remain praying in the flesh, then, well, we're not going to get to the depths of what prayer can bring us. In order for us to do that, we have to find the mechanism, the identification of being able to be in Christ. We are then translated because we are in Christ into the Spirit where we can enter into heaven and communicate with God face to face. Now, consider this. Consider this because many that hear this will dig their heels in and say, well, now, I just don't know about that. I've never heard that before. If God set the pattern for man to approach himself in the tabernacle in the wilderness and the, the mechanism that was given to them is patterned after the tabernacle that is found in heaven, and if Jesus Christ became our high priest and operated in the tabernacle in heaven as our high priest, and if we are ministers or priests, then why would we not come through the same pattern to approach God in our prayer life? Why would he put the mechanism in place in the Jewish 
tabernacle in the wilderness had the same tabernacle in place in heaven and then we are not to come that avenue. We're not to use that pattern. We're not to follow that design. Huh. That makes you think, doesn't it? Someone might say, well, because it was all made easier because of what Jesus did to develop salvation. Let me once again show you the steps that will lead to your ability to appropriate grace. In Hebrews chapter 4, have you ever considered how the writer referenced our ability to enter the throne room? Now we've quoted it, we've talked about it, we've said we have access into the throne room of God where we would obtain grace and mercy to help in time and need. We've quoted that scripture. But have we ever considered really what was going on there? Well, let's look at Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. We know all of this to be true. Now watch this. Jesus. Who was he? He was the one who walked among mankind and was crucified. The Son of God. Now we've seen three references here to Jesus. We've seen Him as the high priest. We've seen Him as Jesus, the one we identify as being the man who went to the cross and the tomb. And then we've seen Him as the Son of God, the one who was returned, according to Paul, into the Godhead bodily. Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews has referenced him in three ways. We have a great high priest. We uh, Now, watch the references used. How did he get there? How did he become the great high priest? Well, he died as Jesus. Who is he currently? Well, he is the Son of God. He is the man in the Godhead bodily. How did he get there? Well, he came into the throne room as the great high priest. Now what is the pattern? It appears that it is the same pattern as the tabernacle minus one element. It appears that it is the same pattern as the tabernacle minus one element. What element is that, Mike? There's no veil. The torn veil did not exclude the requirement for a high priest. It just included the access for the brethren of the high priest. Now, I want to say that again. The torn veil did not exclude the requirement for the high priest. It just included the access for the brethren of the high priest. Now, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, what is the high priest doing? Well, he has been touched with the feelings of our weakness. That's why he sprinkled blood on the vessels of ministry. How can that be? Because as Jesus... He was tempted with all of the attacks and issues and problems of life, just as we are. But, he remained sinless. In so doing, he became the righteousness of God, and he made those who are his brethren the righteousness of God. And through this relationship, we are placed in 
him. Let us therefore come boldly now. Now get that. He was Jesus. He was the high priest. He was the son of God. He was the one who was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now then, that we understand that. Hi, Charles. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, isn't that what Paul did when he entered into the third heaven? Isn't that what Paul came away with? He went in there praying, seeking God. I have a thorn in the flesh three times. And the answer he got from the throne room of God, the grace and mercy that he received that was released unto him was, for my grace is sufficient. For I, when you are weak, I am strong. And Paul then turned around and said, Now I'm going to rejoice in my infirmities. Now with these references to Jesus, the high priest, and the man in the Godhead, and this information, we certainly now can come boldly into the throne room of God. Now here's the question. Who can come boldly? Well, those for whom he has become the high priest. Uh-huh. Isn't that all of us who have believed and been saved? Well, that depends on what you plan to come to him for. Uh-huh. If you're looking for salvation or the death of the flesh, then your prayer is going to be directed towards the Jesus of the cross. He will forgive you and allow you to bury your flesh. If you seek the alive life, you must seek Jesus Christ, the one who is the victoriously anointed and resurrected one. Each step that you imitate Christ and be a follower of Christ, every step that you take develops a greater depth of Christian living. Now, wait a minute. Where do you see this in Scripture? I've already told you. This is the same pattern that was expressed in the tabernacle as the plan of God for Israel. Where did it come from? The pattern of the tabernacle made without hands in heaven. This is nothing new, friends. It's just something we have not put into proper perspective. And therefore, our people have grown frustrated with prayer. They don't pray anymore. And when they do pray, it's only about themselves, their problems, their needs, their disgust, their oppression, depression, anxiety, and so forth. But the pattern has been made. It was designed and developed. All for us, all we had to do was walk in it. So you're telling me, this is. I'm telling you this. That you must grow in your prayer life to be able to access the holy place. Yes, sir, I'm telling you that. Most people remain in the outer court because they have never known that they were called to be priests and ministers beyond the sacrifice. In the outer court of the old tabernacle area, that's where everything was. was. The animals were. The people that brought in the animals to be sacrificed in their place. The priest then took the blood that, that had been taken from the sacrifice and they went to the laver. And there they sanctified themselves. And then they moved forward to the holy place and were waited to be called in. Now, at the laver, 
They were called to be sanctified, purged, cleansed, and refined. For what purpose? So that they could offer and sprinkle the blood on the vessels of ministry in the tabernacle. Now, what are we called to do in our time? Well, the Bible, the writer of the book of Hebrews said that we are called to offer the sacrifices of praise. We're offered, called to offer the sacrifice of praise for ourselves in the holy place. Now with that, they have access into the throne room of God. So, in the throne room of God, now I want you to get this. Do you remember the tabernacle in the wilderness? There were cherubims that uh, were above the Ark of the Covenant. Why were they there? They were there to protect the Ark of the Covenant, to guard the Ark of the to guard the glory of God. They were placed also at the entrance of the Garden of Eden so that no one who was not supposed to be there could enter. Now why are the cherubims today guarding the glory of God in the throne room? Because they are there to protect the holiness of God and to assure that only those who come through the correct means of purification, of purging, of cleansing and refining are allowed to enter. Someone said, boy, you make God seem so distant. No, I don't. Actually, I make God seem more clear and present to you than ever before. And I want to tell you why. Because what you've been doing ain't working. That's why. Because what you've been doing hasn't been uh, releasing grace to you. Paul tried to tell you that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because what you've been doing has frustrated you. What you've been doing has caused you to be angry at times with God. What you've been doing has caused you to actually stop praying. Stop living in the joy of the Lord. Stop living in the peace of the glory that is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, what I'm telling you is the means whereby the presence of God God is at your fingertip, but you have to access it appropriately. You have to bring yourself appropriately. Frustration can be gone, my friends. Your ability to have grace released to you. Someone said, do you mean to tell me that whatever I ask God, I'm going to get? I'm telling you, whatever you ask God, you're going to get an answer for. Paul asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh three times. God did not do that. Because it wasn't what Paul really needed. What Paul needed was to understand that his life was in the Spirit and that God's grace was sufficient for anything and everything the flesh went through. God is not a genie in the bottle, nor is he a microwave. God is going to do for you the things that are in the perfect plan of God. If you desire to get into the place where you can find the perfect will and plan of God, then I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you how to get out of frustration mode. And I'm telling you how to live in the presence of God. And I'm telling you that the means by which we have been taught, told, preached, and so forth about prayer to do that, obviously, look at the world. It does not work that way. The pattern in the wilderness should have told us something. And the fact that that pattern was taken out of the pattern in the heavenlies should have told us something. The cherubim are sitting there. You have the opportunity, you have the right in Christ Jesus to enter into the throne room of God and there get an answer from God. The release of grace, whether that release solves your issue or whether that release gives you the strength of Jesus Christ to go through your issue, you have the right to do it, but you have 
to understand how. <clears throat> now, our access is very calculated. There's a distinct design and a distinct pattern. If we understand that, then we will operate in the pattern. The frustration will be gone. We'll operate in the design. And we will be able to freely move between heaven and earth and in and out of his presence. But we have to understand what we're doing. Now, bear in mind, that Paul went through every one of these stages in order to record his story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now let's look and see what Paul found out. The first thing that Paul found out came from Galatians 2 and 20. He said, first, I must die with Christ. Your soul must die with Christ. Your mind, will, and emotions must die. Second of all, in Galatians 2.20, you must be buried with Christ. How do I know he said that? Because his next part of Galatians 2.20 said, Nevertheless, I live. So he must have been buried with him as well. Third, he was raised in the likeness of the resurrection. And it took him into the newness of life. That is the life of the law. Of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. This came from Romans chapter 6 and verse 5 in Romans 8. This includes the fact that from the resurrection, the, the likeness of his resurrection, the newness of life and the spirit of life, the law that is the spirit of life, Paul was sanctified by the sanctifier. Fourth, we must identify with his priesthood and become brethren. Paul talks about him being a minister of Christ in Romans chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. That ministry is his priesthood. Paul tells us consistently in the word of God that we are to be ministers, priests. Doesn't use the term, but priests, ministers. Ephesians chapter 4 in particular. We must go in the spirit and become a member of the royal lineage of the priesthood. That is led by our brother, the high priest. Fifth, we must bow the knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ until he becomes Lord over everything. Lord over our physical self, our mental self, and our spiritual self. Paul described this in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. We have to surrender lordship of everything. If we have something that is buffeting us in the flesh, as Paul did, Paul had to surrender lordship to the grace of Jesus Christ. Sixth, we must know the man in the Godhead until both parties are in communication through the Holy Spirit. Paul described this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. Now we fall off the rails in the Christian world here. Here's a reason that prayer isn't working for us because we don't teach and preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it is essential to understand that the man in the Godhead, the first thing he did was release the Holy Spirit into the earth. That's the first thing he did. Why did he do that? Well, Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us that he did that so that he could give commands. He could give commands. John 14 tells us that we are to follow commands. How are we going to do that? Well, we've got the word of God. Let me tell you something. Now watch what Paul said. 
Paul said, I went up to the glory of God and I came back with an abundance of revelation. That's what he got out of his uh, journey into the throne room of God. Why can't we get an abundance of revelation out of the throne room of God? Why can't we take the scripture as I have done for you and bring forward an abundance of revelation? It's nothing new. It's nothing that the word of God doesn't say. It's just a revelation of understanding concerning what the word of God says. Now, the Bible said that the spirit of truth would lead you and guide you. Now watch into truth and Jesus said I've got a whole bunch more to tell you but you're not ready for it yet what was he saying when I release the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is going to tell you things you do not as of now know so we need to understand the essential ingredient of understanding him and the Godhead bodily because he now, now, we mischaracterize this. He is speaking. And the Holy Spirit is repeating what it is He is speaking. The Holy Spirit is saying to us what is coming direct from the throne room of God. Now, the Holy Spirit is an entity under himself. He is the creator. He is the one that, that, that when Jesus spoke, he is not the creator. Let me rephrase that. When Jesus spoke, he was the one who caused the creative word of Jesus Christ to come into effect. He has the governorship. He is the one who has the power but Jesus Christ is directing him. And he will direct him using you and me as we become vessels of which he can use. So we identify the process by scripture reference that he provides, Paul provides to put the puzzle in place. From here, he uses the fourth phase of grace to open the windows of heaven and dispense the grace that he needed and that we need for the moment in which we need it. That's how God becomes a God of the now. That's how God becomes a God of the now, my friend. It's not that grace for the meeting of all our needs is unavailable to us. We've been frustrated by that because we often don't see it. So we move on and we make excuses for God and we make doctrines for God and we make uh, uh, allowances for God that say God really doesn't do uh, it that way and it never really meant that. Well, the reason that we're making excuses and allowances is because we have not come in appropriately. We haven't followed the pattern. We haven't done the right mechanism or the right method. There is grace for the moment. There is grace for the now. He said in Hebrews chapter 4 to help in time of need. Do you know what that means? It means in the nick of time. It is our misunderstanding of how to position ourselves to appropriate the grace of God, the answers and the will of God, 
that is the real problem. Therefore, we struggle with the concept of identifying with him, associating with him, cooperating with him, and then assimilating him. These are the conditions, my friend, that if we are in him, will become the revelation and reality of an absolute operating in our life. Now, we've talked about this, and I'll just mention it in a word or two. The world is identifying its things, and that is their absolute. The world is saying, I am, even though they don't look it, they don't uh, uh, have what it takes to be what it is they're identifying, but they are convinced because they've identified with it. The Christian, on the other hand, has not identified with Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our God appropriately. And therefore, grace has not been released. But Paul told us how to do it. He told us how to appropriate it. He showed us what to do. It's right there. The condition is to be in Him. The six phases of the work that Jesus accomplished for us must be exercised. And they must be done each and every step. I said something to somebody the other day about a situation in their life. And I said, uh, now you understand. Today you've taken a step. What you want to do is going to take a lot of time. There's going to be a lot more steps. And there's going to be opportunity for you to quit. But if you will maintain the steps, follow the pattern, follow the process, you'll get where you want to go. Let me tell you who wants you to get there. The one who gave his son to die for your right to be there. Now think about that. The one who gave his son to die for your right to be there. For your right to to get into the heavenlies for your right to receive of the goodness of God. Our goal should be to access the open window of heaven so that grace can flow. Now, what will grace do? Grace may be released in the purpose of, in the way of a promise, in the way of reproof, in the way of instruction, in the way of direction. It may be released in the spoken word. It may be released to your seeing the written word in a different way. Through whatever response of release, the revelation will always be, my grace is sufficient. If it answers, if it meets, if it solves, if it doesn't answer, if it doesn't give you what you want, it will always come out to be the same. My grace is sufficient. Get your eyes off the flesh and get your eyes on me. Why is that? Because His grace is the expression of the strength of the divine nature of God. So Paul has shown us in Galatians 2.20. Paul has shown us in Colossians 2.9. Now Paul says in Philippians 3.10, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Paul is talking about the feelings of the discomfort of the flesh. He's talking about his religious training as a Jew at the feet of Gamaliel. He was speaking of his status as a very powerful man. All of these were purposefully eliminated from Paul's life. My friends, sometimes you're going to have to purposefully eliminate things from your life. 
You're going to have to take the teaching of God's Word, put it into action. Yea, doubtless, Paul says, and I count all things but loss for the, now get this phrase, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Now we have seen Him called Jesus four names. Jesus Christ my Lord. Oh, we've seen Him call Him five names, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, the High Priest, my Lord, and my man in the Godhead. Now why would Paul do that? Because he was operating from an abundance of revelation. Paul is trying to tell us, friends, the avenue, the pattern, the means, the way. He said, Whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as dung, that I may win Christ, that spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. Wow. It's time for me to stop for the night. I want you to know, my friends, Paul is showing us exactly what we need to do to get into the throne room of God, exactly how to get answers to our prayer. Not always the answer we want. He didn't get the answer he wanted. But he found the strength in being in the throne room of God, in the presence of God, to make him more than an overcomer because of the Christ Jesus the high priest, the Lord, and the man in the Godhead. My friend, who would care about what's going on in the flesh if you could be in the presence of God? Who would care? Who would care about how the body feels if you could be in the presence of God? Who would focus on the flesh if they could be in the presence of God? This is the opportunity the Word of God is giving you. This is the message that Paul is telling you. And what will happen? Well, there's an abundance of promises. I hath not seen nor heareth heard the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. There's an abundance of grace. There's an abundance of the very perfect gifts of God. But you got to have the pattern. And know how to get there. And Paul has shown us. He said, I count it all loss. If I find the excellency of the knowledge of who Christ Jesus my Lord is. I've suffered the loss of everything, Paul said. But I don't count it as anything. What I've lost, I don't count as anything. How my flesh feels, don't count it as anything. All I want is to be in the presence of Christ, my God. And Paul has shown us how to do it. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. Bless us and keep us now. May this Word resonate in our spirit. May our soul receive it. And may it resonate in our spirit. And it become a part of our life and change our ability, change our focus. Get it off of ourselves. And get it on to living life in the presence of Almighty God. I thank you. I ask you to minister to your people in the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our God. Amen and amen. Well, well, I hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, that was session four of part four on heavenly communication. And I pray that it has blessed you. I want to bring back one thought from that.
God distributes grace into the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. Sometimes His grace is the release of a thing that I have not seen nor ever heard, but the Holy Spirit reveals the very promises of God. Sometimes it is the release of grace that says to you, right where you are and right how you are, my grace is sufficient. So either way it goes, we find the strength of God revealed to mankind. Now the secret is that we live and walk in the Spirit. That our focus and attention be on the Spirit world. That our ability to live in the presence of God is manifested And that when His grace comes in whatever form and fashion it is released, as it always is, we are able to rejoice. We are able to simply give praise and honor and glory to God. Well, I want to tell you today, if you'll find Jesus as Lord, He will be the ruler over everything that has a name in your life. And if you find him as the man in the Godhead bodily, he'll begin to communicate things, lead you and guide you into truth and reprove you and show you things that you do not know. May God richly bless you until we speak again.